Now batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner, presented by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located at 6169 North, Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Great food, great ownership, and even amidst the pandemic, they are open for pickup and delivery, so make sure you get to Coach's. We've got a very special guest on the podcast today, NBC Sports Chicago on the Cubs beat, Tim Stebbins. Thanks for coming on the show, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always, uh... Always happy to hop on with uh, a fellow Illinois Chicago kids. <laughs> yeah, gotta love it. So I gotta ask, what's it like covering baseball during a pandemic? Oh man, um, it's it's certainly different. I mean, I twenty twenty was supposed to be my first like full time year uh, covering like the Cubs, and as we all know, I mean, I started this position during spring training, and then everything changed at the end of spring training. So it's definitely weird. I mean, the, the zoom experience, like it, it's very, very rigid with the time, I guess you could say like in, in, in the past, cause I went to some games in 2019, you'd, you know, the ballpark would open at a certain time and then the clubhouse would open at a certain time. And you kind of had free reign to go around the clubhouse and interview whoever was around. And, and, you know, the manager would speak a little bit, but now it's like, okay, we have a set Zoom time for the manager and a set Zoom time for, you know, a certain number of players. And, uh, you know, the access is just different and uh, you're not, you know, you're not, you're not in the locker room every day. So, you know, you're still getting the ballpark experience in that sense. And I didn't even get to many games this year, truthfully. So I'm speaking more generally, but um, it's, it's definitely different. And it's definitely uh, less, there's less access than usual, but that's for, for good reason with the safety measures in place. Yeah, that all makes sense. So how did you originally get into to covering baseball and onto the Cubs beat? Yeah, um, I grew up playing baseball, and it was just, you know, I obviously played other stuff, but baseball was always my first first passion, I guess you could say. And um, in college, I I just, I just started blogging about the Cubs. <laughs> um, and that was also nice because they were – you know, for the first time in my life, really, outside of a couple of years, they were they were good when I was in college. It was this first year was 2015, so it made it fun to you know to write about them in that sense. And then um, in my junior year, uh, NBC had an internship open, and and I applied for it, and I, I was fortunate, very fortunate to to get that. And then I was even more fortunate that they brought me on, and you know, while I was still in school as a, as a staff writer after my internship. So I, I did that for a while. And then this, this position opened up to, to write about the Cubs because that first position was, you know, writing about, you know, all the Chicago teams. And then they offered me a, a chance out of college to specifically write about the Cubs. And it was, uh, it was before COVID and it was a great opportunity. So I feel very, very fortunate to be in this place I am now. Yeah, that's awesome. So obviously there's a lot of unknowns in the offseason thus far, you know, rules, DH and whatnot, amount of games. Have you heard anything in terms of when spring training or the season might start and any goals toward amount of games being played? I think as far as everyone's concerned is it's good. It's it's all full speed ahead, you know, like as planned, spring training opens. Uh, I don't know if the Cubs have a set 
report date, not that I've seen at least for pitchers and catchers, but we'll say it's about a month from now, like mid-February, and then uh, opening day, the beginning of April, like that's the plan right now. David Ross said it uh, back in December. Rob Manfred has been, I think, telling teams, sending out memos that the plan is to start on time. And as we all know, that's that's really, really fickle. You know, anything can change by the day with, with the coronavirus. So um, I'm very interested to see what happens because we've what we've learned is after sports shut down last March that sports leagues are willing to – for better or worse, push through COVID and, and play. So we're seeing with the NBA right now. We saw it with the NFL, NHL right now. And I think baseball is in a different position in the sense that um, vaccinations are in distribution now and they're going to be coming. When they'll be more commercially available is, you know, it seems like that process could be further down the line a little bit, a couple months. Um, baseball is different than those sports that, they have the vaccines coming in. I think if they, they push ahead to start as planned, that is to their benefit with uh, the vaccines coming. Yeah, I'm with you there. Hopefully, you know, fans can start getting back into the stands as well. But on the Cubs beat, this has obviously been a, a busy offseason for you. Probably not in the way fans would like, though. So what's been your take on the offseason thus far? Um surprising i would say um we, we've known for years that the the cubs weren't gonna have the same team forever i mean they've said it time and time again there's just just you know club control limitations and they've offered extensions to these guys and i think jed hoyer even said it recently that what they deem to be fair offers but obviously these guys have right to explore free agency and outside of really you know rizzo in 2013 uh, Starlin Castro, 2012, David Bodie, Kyle Hendricks in 2019. Like they they haven't been able to lock up these guys. So I don't I don't think we ever thought this team would be together forever. But I think with you Darvish, for example, you know I didn't expect them to trade him for a, a couple teenagers. You know I thought his value would be different in the sense that they could get you know San Diego's as a loaded farm system, maybe a couple of top ten prospects, but. Uh, prospect capital is gold to baseball nowadays and nowadays and Darvish is in his mid thirties. So in that sense, I guess it makes sense. And the Cubs did get some depth for their farm system. But um, besides that, you know, Schwarber wasn't too surprised at that's, that seemed like a way to help them trim some payroll after the, the budget or the, the revenue losses in 2020. The one thing that really stands out, I, maybe it's just recency bias is John Lester. Um, I just thought the Cubs need starting pitching. Cubs need veterans starting pitching with this this young staff. He wanted to retire a Cub. I was very, very set that they would find a way to make it happen. And it seemed like he came to them and said, I want to be here. And they, they didn't match the Nationals offer, which was only about $5 million. So I think that's the word is surprising. And as we go on here, it's only becoming more surprising each move. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Schwarber move wasn't all that surprising to me. Non-tendering Almora didn't come too much of a shock. The Darvish trade and then, honestly, Len Casper leaving were my two biggest shocks of the offseason this far. And you actually kind of got right into where I wanted to go next. Lester's joining Schwarber on the National. Schwarber signed last week for $10 million a year. Lester's getting a $5 million contract for one year. Um, definitely seems affordable for pretty much any big league team. 
Um, and like you said, Cubs and Lester weren't able to make that agreement. Do you think maybe they thought we're not winning a World Series this year? John deserves a shot at another ring. If they did, um, they should come out and say it. Uh, a lot of people don't think that's the case, and it would maybe help them to say that. But I don't, I don't think that was it. I don't. And to to that point, though. I think Cubs fans should be happy for John Lester that he's going to a good situation in, in Washington with Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. Uh, Davey Martinez is his old bench coach, is the manager there. Kyle Schwarber, we saw that video Schwarber narrated at the end of the 2020 season thanking Lester. I think Lester bought Schwarber his first ever suit when Schwarber made the big league. So those guys have a good relationship. I think fans should be happy that he's going to a competitive team. Um, but I don't. I don't think that was the motivation behind it, and I. I think Cubs fans are rightfully upset because you know John Lester wanted to. He's, he's seven wins off two hundred. He wanted to do it in a Cubs uniform. He was emotional in September twenty twenty after his final start, uh, foreshadowing that it could be his final start. And Wrigley is a Cub for all we knew, and I think a lot of people said no. They'll find a way to bring him back, and he he took it all in, and it turned out to be true. So. I think there's reason to be upset. Yeah, and he he bought all the beers for all the Chicagoans downtown at, at one point in the offseason as well. I think a lot of Cubs fans' second favorite team this year is going to be the Nationals for sure. And, you know, you look at Lester's tenure in Chicago, it's almost not debatable that he was really the, the first domino to fall to turn this team around, turn the franchise around. Do you think there's any doubt that he's the best free agent signing in Cubs history? Well, so you know what? I, I, I don't, but someone made a good point. Maybe it was in response to, to David Kaplan on Twitter. They brought up Andre Dawson. I think there's a good argument for that, but I don't. I still think it's Lester. But, you know, Andre Dawson, there was, there was collusion among the owners where he couldn't really get any offers worth his value, and he wound up giving the Cubs the blank check and signing for, I think, 500K for one year, and then he won the 1987 NL MVP award. So... That certainly was a good move in its own right, but I think you're right. Lester, he, he really was the first domino to fall to change the culture in Chicago from you know, the Cubs, the lovable losers, perennial last place team to this this team that made you know playoffs of five or six seasons and six straight winning seasons. So I think I think that goes back too to why fans maybe have the right to be upset is this guy meant so much to this team and the city and mm-hmm. You know, one more year with him, letting him retire here after all he did for this team and this culture, um, it seemed only only fitting. Yeah, and after the news broke that Lester was heading to Washington, Ian Happ tweeted, time to retire number 34. Do you think that's something that might come in the future? It, it seems, you know, the Cubs, the Cubs really, I think it's five retired numbers, and one of them is two guys, Maddox and Fergie, for number 31. Um, they don't really do it often, but I think this generation is this era of Cubs baseball. I should say they're gonna they're gonna get a couple up there for sure. Well, obviously, I think down the line, see forty four for Rizzo and Lester. Lester seems like a no brainer as well. And then with that, I think I think they'll they'll probably find a way to put Kerry Woods number up there too. Even though you know he he had the injuries and. It's his career maybe didn't turn out to be what it could have because of that, unfortunately. But I think that'll be a good way to get someone up there who 
two players who resonate greatly with Cubs fans and in, in, uh, in two different generations, I guess you could say. Yeah, and I really think part of the retiring the number is about what could somebody do after these players that could be better than that player. And I don't think you could top what Lester did for the city. And I thought it would be difficult to top what Kerry Wood did for the Cubs. And, and Lester was able to do that. So maybe retiring that number for both of those guys might be a good option. Yeah, and that was it's a good point you make there. Because when he came here, I think his number with Boston and Oakland was 31. And I don't know if anyone had that. With, oh, obviously, Fergie and Maddox. So he, he had to pick a new number. And I think there was some, some trepidation among Cubs fans about you know, he's getting 34, and we all knew that to be Kerry Wood's number. Um, he certainly, if anyone had any concerns or fears about that, he certainly honored honored that number well and and, uh, and gave it more meaning than it already had for Cubs fans. So um, I guess it's good in that sense. You know, people have trepidation about whether he's going to take this guy's number. What's he going to do? And he, he actually, you know, he definitely uh, did it well. <laughs> And then late last night after that, uh, we hear Tyler Chatwood has signed a contract with the Blue Jays. So that means from the opening day rotation in 2020, the only guy left is Kyle Hendricks. Hugh Darvish is on the Padres, Chatwood the Blue Jays, Lester the Nationals, and then Jose Quintana is still a free agent. Obviously, Alec Mills is looking to be a part of the rotation in 2021. Zach Davies, who they acquired in the Darvish deal, looks to be part of that rotation. And Adbert Alzali, after some of the things that he did late in the year, looked like he's on track. Who else should we be looking toward for a fifth starter? Is there any chance of a Quintana uh, reunion? Is it looking like Shelby Miller? What do you think? Well, if you asked me this before yesterday, I would have said, you know, if not Lester, then, you know, they could go out there and, and find, you know, a veteran for the for the low one-year deal um but I, I don't i don't see them now i could be totally wrong but i just don't see how they they're two million away from getting john lester at a low salary they, they wouldn't you know they, they were two million short of a very fair offer um i don't i just don't see them going out and spending that on a different veteran and and i say that because like you said you have hendrix davies alzali mills um, Miller is kind of a non-guaranteed, like a minor leagues deal. So if he makes the roster, it's 875k plus, I believe, 600 in, in incentives. So even that's sort of what they offer Lester. Um, so I don't. If Miller makes it, he's a candidate. But you know, with with the 2020 season, guys obviously had their innings affected. You know, they're used to throwing closer to 200, and because of COVID and 60 game schedule, a lot of these guys threw 60 to 80, sometimes up in the 90s. So they're going to need pitchers, and that's why not bringing back Lester also doesn't make sense because he's a guy who before 2020 had uh, five straight seasons of 30-plus starts. So you have the four you mentioned, and from there, Colin Ray's they, they released him so he could pursue an opportunity in Japan. So I'm looking at this point, like Tyson Miller is somebody. Um, maybe Braylon Marquez, is, his timeline's pushed up, but that being said, I don't think he's pitched above single a outside of his you know cup of coffee in the big leagues last year and then you have Corey abbott who i think in 2019 made it to double a so he hasn't even pitched in triple a yet so it seems like they need a veteran but i just don't see how after this lester move 
what are the, who are they going to go out and get? And I say that, like, you're not looking at someone like Mike fulton maybe. Maybe it's more of a, a guy who is a 4A guy just to give you innings. But I just can't see how this move indicates that they might go get someone else. Yeah, I was just going to say, if $5 million is too much for a veteran starter, especially one who did that much for the team and for the city, I can't imagine them spending anything on another veteran guy because if they would why not Lester yeah why not Lester Chatwood uh Quintana's still out there so I don't want to say like why not him but I don't I don't see that happening either and and I think this is a misconception among Cubs fans too everyone says John Lester hasn't performed well the last two years so it was time for them to move on but that's not really the point about why a lot of people are feeling a certain type of way about him him moving on to the Nationals. It's, you know, the guy did so much for your team and the city, obviously, but also with that, he's he's a proven innings eater, and they don't really, they still have a vacancy in their rotation. So letting him go in that sense even doesn't make sense. And you can argue that maybe his numbers have been going the wrong way in the last couple of years, but he's still a proven veteran. And in the sense that he can give you innings, especially someone too in the clubhouse where, he can show these young guys the ropes and, and perhaps what would be his final year before retirement. So there's more to this than just, well, he's been turning the wrong way in recent years. That is why people are upset about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you look at this Cubs roster right now, obviously there's a hole in the outfield. Ian Happ and Jason Hayward are the only outfielders listed on the roster. Second base is still a question mark. They might want Nico Horner to get some more time to develop and then, they they know that offensively they want to angle toward a more contact-oriented guy, and then they definitely need some pitching. So they don't seem to be in the market for the, the George Springers and the Trevor Bowers um, or even anybody in that tier below them, but have you heard any rumblings of players they might be interested to fill those holes? I think the, the position player talks have been less – you've heard less about additions than – I mean, and a lot of the Cubs haven't really been active. We haven't heard much this offseason in general, I guess. But the position player market, to your point, like I, I, I know I haven't heard a lot. And you have three outfielders, and the third one is Philip Irvin, who, you know, to his credit, he's uh, fared really well against left-handed pitchers in his career. But he's more of like a depth guy, so he's not really someone that you envision starting left field for them. Um, from there too, you need a you need a catcher. I don't think I think Matt Dory said they don't envision Miguel Amaya starting with the Cubs um, out, of, out of out of out of camp. So he told us that in the Cubs Talk podcast. Um, and then second base, like you're saying, do do you hand it over to Nico Horner? Is it a Nico Horner David Bodie platoon? Do you need Bodie third and putting Bryant in left? Mm-hmm. If Bryant's still on the team, and that's another thing. If if Bryant or Wilson Contreras gets traded, that only magnifies what we're talking about there's a bunch of holes among the position player groups and it it might not be five starting spots but you don't you don't have you know all spots filled and that that goes to your depth so i don't know what they're going to do there and maybe it's bringing jason kipnis back or um a couple not unknown name outfielders but it's obviously not going to be george springer like you said is there any chance Almora gets brought back on a on a cheap deal then to just fill outfield space like that's the type of depth that they need I don't think so and I think it's something like to me it's it's one of those things where 
he would benefit from a change of scenery. And yeah, I'm with you. He 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 could you know he could afford that chance to go play for somewhere like I think that that's a like same thing with Kyle Schwarber. Like Kyle Schwarber put up some numbers in 2019, and he did a lot of good things here. But moving on to new teams like that, it definitely adds an extra level of motivation for you as a player. Um, and I think that that'll be good for Almora as much as you know. By non-tendering him, the Cubs created a hole, but we can't even forget also, though, that he wasn't on their roster by the end of September or their, their mm-hmm. playoff roster. So I think that's that's probably uh, – they're, they're moving on for sure. Yeah, and he really hasn't been productive offensively for the better part of a season and a half, almost two seasons. So I, I don't really see that reunion in the cards either. You touched on it a little bit ago the if Bryant will be on the team, the if Contreras will be on the team. They've been swirling in trade rumors all offseason. If you had to to make your prediction, do you think those guys are on the opening day roster or no? Um, I feel like I've been wrong every time I'm <laughs> like talk like people have asked me this. So I guess don't hold it hold me to it. I, I don't I don't see Bryant getting traded. I, I did a, a breakdown um I believe in December on NBC Sports Chicago.com, and it was pretty much laying out the trade market and how every team comes into it and just to show how hard it is to pull off a trade. Uh, this winter, especially with the, the pandemic economics. Um, and I don't know if anyone's going to, unless, you know, if the, if the Cubs eat some of Brian's salary, it's at 19 million, 19 and a half. Um, yeah, sure. Like maybe they can pull something off, but everything they've done this winter has been to, to trim payroll, so would they really be in a position to do that? I don't think so. I think Contreras, at this point, I just don't see, after all the moves, what would tell you that he's going to be here? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they, they've, they've made so many moves for their future. And his salary his salary isn't an issue, but he is definitely a guy who you can ask for a big haul back in return of, of prospects. And with what they've done this winter, I just don't think if, if, unless you're unless you can resign him, I think they should resign him. Don't get me wrong; I think he should be part of this team for the next five to seven years. Agreed. But, yeah. Um, I just I just don't nothing this winter has made sense, and well, I guess some of it has, but nothing to me indicates that at this point, like they're going to hold on to him. I think it's just going to be they're going to get an offer for him once Real Muto probably comes off the market. Teams will maybe go to the Cubs for Contreras. I'm sure they're going to get good offers and that's something they have to consider. I don't think that's necessarily wrong. You need to build up this farm system and try to get back to competing immediately. And he's a guy who can get you those assets. Yeah. And and then just, just to kind of play devil's advocate, I also think he's a guy that could be a part of your next competing team. And if it is him that they want to trade, I cannot wrap my head around why Caratini was in the Darvish deal. I like I just if you're planning on trading Contreras and getting that big haul, why give your young affordable catcher who's solid for a couple years until Amaya comes up the reins to your starting job? I agree. It's you know Contreras is only turning 29 in May. So he, he's and he's he's the kind of guy too who he's the two he's someone you want to build around. Mm-hmm. He, his, his biggest flaw or something that people pointed out deficiency was pitch framing. And he worked his butt off to get better in that regard. And he did. Now he's got the big arm, the athleticism behind the plate, the framing is improved. He's got the bat. So he is someone they should want to build around. Um, 
and and back to what you said about Caratini, I think that was just a matter of he's Darvish's personal catcher. Darvish is very comfortable with him, and a big maybe Darvish, you know, maybe that's a big part of Darvish's success. So I think that's that's why he got thrown in. But like you're saying, if you go out and move Contreras, then the Cubs literally will have no big league catchers on their 40 man roster. So that you're gonna have to go out and get two guys, maybe even three for depth purposes, until Amaya's ready, which maybe is summer 2021, if not later. Um, and the Cubs, as a as an organization, they they are deep on catching down the pipeline. Like mm-hmm. they've got prospects behind Amaya, and, and I believe they just signed um, one of the top international prospects out of Venezuela, who's a catcher. So he's obviously years away, but that has been a position of strength for them for some time. So they'll have guys at some point, but like you're saying, if you trade Contreras, that's another place on the roster where you, we just talked about question marks. That's another one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this off season has really been frustrating for a lot of Cubs fans. Um, you know, we hear of all the spending that the Ricketts family is doing, you know, network revenueing the, um, the neighborhood and the, the bars, the hotel, and it just seems like the on-field spending is not there right now. How soon do you think that might shift? I think I think it really depends on the, the pandemic, and I don't want to I don't want to say that to to direct any attention away from what you just brought up. Like this has been more. It's not just been the pandemic here. This is kind of a perfect storm. Like it comes out this startup cost for their new network and. Um, that was always something Theo Epstein even said. You're not going to see, you know, returns on that as far as your budget goes for a couple of years. So that was something. And they have these investments around the stadium, and then um, you have a year where no fans go to Wrigley, and the Cubs are known for being the team where it's one o'clock on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. Forty thousand fans are at the ballpark. So if they can get, you know, I mean, they're they're looking at. I think at this point, if you if you take Lester Quintana Chatwood out, that's forty five million. Darvish is another twenty, so now you're up into the sixty near seventy range. Throw Caratini in there; they've definitely cut a lot of payroll. That gets you down towards one forty. If any of their moves happen, that's more. So, if you can get fans back in the stands, which I think at some point this summer there will be, you've already cut a lot of payroll. You're not near the luxury tax. You have made some of the revenues that you didn't make in 2020, not full, obviously. Will that mean they spend next off season? I don't know. That might not make sense for them. Like Jed Hoyer said, um, I believe he said after the Darvish trades, we'll spend, he basically said, I'm paraphrasing, we'll spend when it makes sense to. <laughs> and that, that may, I think next off season, you'll see more than you've seen this one. Okay. We need a left fielder. Let's go get this guy for, 20 million, 10 million for two years, whatever. But in terms of going out and spending at the top of the market again, it might be two years. It might be three years. And that, that might just relate more to their competitive timeline more than anything. Um, as long as, as well as the, the pandemic too. All right. I've got one last question for you. And you know, this off season, the Cubs have obviously been cutting a lot, like you said, more subtraction than addition, but the entire NL Central has also been that way. Do you think the Cubs is currently constructed, obviously with filling a few holes that they have um, some way or another, can win the division? As of one thirty on Tuesday, January 19th, yes. Um, 
if you trade Bryant or Contreras, I, I just don't I just don't see how. And I I'll, I'll add this to that. I expect Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, Contreras. I know Contreras didn't have uh, the worst year out of those guys last year, but offensively, I think there's more there than what we saw for all four of those guys. So, I, assuming they bounce back, that's a net gain in its own right. You won you won the division, a bad division in 2020, with despite those guys struggling. So, they'll bounce back, and that should be a big boost. You obviously have the loss of Darvish. Zach Davies isn't a slouch. He's a, he's a solid pitcher. He's not a Cy Young finalist, but it's not a horrible... It's, it's a loss of Darvish. You don't replace him, but you're not getting some dude who's never pitched in the big leagues before in his place. So, yeah, I think they can. But if you trade if you trade a three-time all-star third baseman or a two-time back-to-back all-star starting catcher, that's where I start having questions. And I already think it's going to be a matter of an 85 or 82 win team wins the NL Central if it's 162 games. If you're taking out a key member like that, depending on the return, which I imagine would be prospect heavy, I just I just don't see how someone like, you know, the Cardinals haven't really added, and they're already in a staring, uh, staring contest with Wainwright, Yachty Molina, and Colton Wong's option they declined. But I think the Cardinals showed this year, despite all those those COVID cases and having guys out, they, they persevered and they made the playoffs. So the Cardinals are, are pesky in that way. And I think if the Cubs subtract another all-star, it's already a wide open division. I just don't see how that helps their cause. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think it's a winnable division. Like you said, at 133 on January tw- uh, 19th, I think it's a winnable division as well. I guess we'll see how the rest of the offseason goes. But for now, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. As always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill and available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and the Cubs HQ website. Make sure to subscribe and leave a rating. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.